after our Sunday gathering last week, I decided to go for a run. Uh, I don't usually run on Sundays, but I just, I didn't get to go on Saturday. Felt like a good day to go do it. And I went out on this trail that I've been on several times before, but I decided to just go a little bit further up, further than I'd ever gone before. And and it was all muddy and wet because it just rains all the time here for some reason. And, and, and what I was hoping to do is connect this trail to another trail that I'd been up because I know that there's a loop, but I'd never, I'd never been able to do the whole thing. And I thought, you know, let's just, let's just go for it. I'm going to do it today. And uh, so, so I did it. I got to, the, to this place where I knew that it would connect with the other trail that I was familiar with. So I found the other trail. I'm going back down the hill. Everything is good. I'm going to go back to the trailhead. I'm going to get back in time to, to teach our Bible study on Sunday night. And I'm feeling pretty good. And, and I start looking around and I'm thinking, something doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't, doesn't quite look the same as I remember. Uh, so, so what do I do? I uh, just like any good man, I just kept going. Uh, I didn't stop and consider what I should do. I just kept going, uh, proceeded forward, and, and further and further, I'm going down the hill, and I, get, I come around a corner, I'm like, I do not know where I am. <laughs> I've, I'm on a road, I'm on a trail, but this is not where I thought I was. And, and I knew that now is the time to humble myself, and so... Thankfully, my phone had service, so I texted Dallas. I think I might be lost, but it's fine. Don't worry. But in case I don't come home, just know that I might be lost. <laughs> uh, and then I texted my friend Adam, who he's a mountain biker, and he knows these trails really well. And I said, I think I might be lost. Uh, and he said, are you, are you serious? Yes, I am serious. And so he called me, he was able to call me, and he, he, you know, he said, yeah, they've, they did some logging back there, and they changed some things around, so he said, just keep, keep looking for this one little, little spot, and you'll know where you're at once you get there. And he was right, he got me back on the right track, and I made it home late, uh, the Bible study was, we had to, I had to call people and text people like, I'm going to be late. And I had, you know, it, it was a long, it was a long night, but I made it back home. <laughs> and, and I was thinking, well, the first thing I thought was, this will make a really good sermon illustration sometime. Little did I know it would just be the following week. <laughs> but I, I think as, as people, we often find ourselves in similar positions, and it could be in our relationships, it could be in our uh, career, it could be in our education, it could just be the spot we're in life is, you know, we thought we knew the way things were going, um, we had a plan, everything's moving along, and all of a sudden we look around and we realize, I am not where I thought I was. Uh, which, which way do I go from here? How do I, how do I get back to where I should be going? And, and who do I ask for help, who do I, you know, who do I call? Where's the guy that knows the trails? And 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 as as people who follow Jesus, people who are disciples of Jesus, we're not exempt from these questions and from these same kind of dilemmas. And I think sometimes it can be even more confusing because we don't just get to ask 
which way are we supposed to go, we also have to ask, which way does God want me to go? What's God's will for my life? Which way does he want me to go? Because when we follow Jesus, we don't just ask these questions of ourselves. We, we ask them of, of God. We ask them of, of Jesus. So as followers of Jesus, we are to be guided and led ultimately by him. And we see this pattern of, of Jesus' guidance for us and his direction for us. It's, uh, it's laid out in this passage that we're looking at as we continue through this series in the book of Acts. And, and in the early days of the Christian church, of Jesus' church, they were constantly confronted by this question, what way, which way does Jesus want us to go? And, and we've seen this over and over again where there's some, there's some conflict, there's some question, there's some unanticipated uh, uh, opposition, and they just keep on having to say, which way do you want us to go? What do you want to have happen next? And they knew, okay, we know Jesus wants us to go on his mission. He wants us to take the good news uh, of who he is, what he's done through his life, death, and resurrection. He said, go take it to the world. So we know that, but they just, they didn't always know what that would look like and what the timing would be. And, and they're dealing with, you know, the, the question of their ethnicity. We're Jews, and then there's all these Gentiles. You know, how does that work? Um, we looked at this passage last week that dealt with that in really specific ways. Uh, th- there was just a lot of, of messiness going on. And, and that's true of going on Jesus' mission. It's it's a messy business. There's not a lot of clarity on specific things all the time. And we're, we're always going, I just want to know what I'm supposed to do. I want to know what I'm supposed to do next. And that can be difficult because we don't often get that clarity and that spe- specific direction that we're looking for. And so, what should we do? Well, we should turn we should turn to the scriptures we should turn to god's word and and we could we could look at this passage and we're looking at it it's not a how-to manual you probably have a a decision you're trying to figure out you're looking for some direction and i can't promise that you'll get direct clarity on that issue today because this isn't a how-to manual this isn't a you know a user guide for well if this happens you just hit this button and then it works you know that's not what we're going to see today but but there are principles for us to see how do we make decisions how do we seek the will of God how do we answer the question which way do we go so in this passage today acts We're at the end of chapter 15, and we're going to go over into chapter 16. We're going to consider three questions. Which way do we go when we disagree? Which way do we go when we work together? And which way do we go on Jesus' mission? So let's read this passage, Acts chapter 15. We're going to read verses 36 all the way uh, to chapter uh, verse 10 of chapter 16. It's on page 923. It'll also be on the screen you know, I'd recommend having a Bible or having these verses up on your phone uh, while we're going through this because we have to jump around a little bit. So Acts chapter 15, beginning of verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord 
and see how they, how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take them, take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is God's word. Let's pray once more. Father, we ask now that that as we come today with lots of questions in our minds of which way you want us to go when it comes to our, our life, when it comes to our community as a church, to the mission that you've called us to, which way do we go? And I pray that, that as we come to your word today that you uh, would help us to trust you, that you would help us to keep looking to you, uh, that, that we wouldn't stop asking questions, we wouldn't stop pursuing what it is that you want us to do and that you'd give us clarity, that you'd give us direction, and that together as we seek you, we would honor you with our lives and with the way that we go. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first question here is, which way do we go when we disagree? So just a little refresher, we've seen the Church of Jesus growing at Uh, just an extremely rapid rate. The good news of Jesus has spread out from the church in Jerusalem, and the church grows to include not just Jews, but Gentiles. And this growth is now going across great distances. We had these two men, Paul and Barnabas, they went on a missionary journey and took uh, the the gospel to all these cities, which would be in modern-day Turkey, and, and they've planted all these churches, and, and so they're back in the city of Antioch, in would, would be Syria today, and, and they have this idea, let's go back to those churches, let's check in on them, it's been about four to five years since we were there, so let's go back and, and just see how they're doing, see how they're growing, let's encourage them, and, and so that's their plan, is to go back the way that they had gone before it's a good desire. It's a good plan, and uh, it 
it shows that, that they didn't just start something, but they want to see how it's going. They wanna, they, they're showing pastoral care and love for the people in these churches, not just, okay, they're, they're part of the family and you know, hope it goes well, but they, they love them and they want to shepherd them and, and encourage them. But this good plan, this good desire, it leads to a big disagreement. What happens? Barnabas wants to take along John called Mark, but Paul said, I don't want to take him. So, so this is the heart of the disagreement that they have. Barnabas, uh, uh, he, John Mark was Barnabas's cousin, and he had uh, gone with uh, Paul and Barnabas the first time that they went on their journey, and he was with them for the first part of it, but then he bailed on them. He left. Uh, and, and it didn't say why in chapter 13. It didn't say why he left. But it's clear from, from the way Paul responds to Barnab- Barnabas' suggestion that there was some, um, there was some anger there. There was some bitterness or there was just a reason for Paul to say, we are not taking that guy because he deserted us. He abandoned us on the last trip. It says in the ESV, it just says that uh, he had withdrawn from them, but that, that word really could be uh, interpreted as abandonment or, or withdrawal, or uh, what's the word here? I lost it. Oh, desertion. He had deserted them or he had forsaken them. So, so that's Paul's perspective is, you know, we're not taking this guy. And so Barnabas says, you know, he's young. Maybe he was tired. Let's give him another shot. Paul says, no, not happening. And these, these two men, they have been through so much together. I mean, we've, we've looked at them for the last several weeks, the mission that they've been on, the things that they have gone through, and, and the way that they've worked together. Like, I mean, they, they, have, they have been through uh, getting kicked out of cities. They've had their lives put at risk over and over again. But here, in this desire to go back and encourage these churches, they find themselves in a place where they cannot agree and they cannot come to a compromise. And so they break apart. Verse 39 says that there is a division. They separated from one another. Barnabas takes Mark and goes one way. Paul takes this man named Silas who had come from Jerusalem and goes with him a different way. Now, this is kind of crazy that this is here, right? I mean, when <laughs> I I always think things like this are are great proof of the uh, the truth of the Bible that that you know when you're trying to, if you're trying to construct something uh, that's a myth, you don't usually include things like man they just couldn't get along over like little issues, <laughs> but but this is like the real deal, like they just can't. They can't figure this out. And, and my question is always like, who is right here? You know, who's, you could kind of see they both have a good point. They both have uh, pros and cons here that, that make sense. Barnabas, you know, he's, he's known as the encourager. He's, he's saying, let's give this guy another chance. You know, we all make mistakes. You know, he wants to go. Let's do this. Let's bring him along. And this is going to be a big part of his life. Or, or is Paul in the right here that, that he's 
saying, we're on Jesus' mission. We don't have, we can't take along people who are just going to flake out on us and maybe put us at more risk and in danger. He's not reliable. We need people who are going to endure and, and push through. Like, Bar- John Mark wasn't even there when they ki- tried to kill us with rocks. You know, what's he going to do when that stuff starts happening? Which way do we go when we disagree? The answer to our first question here is somewhat unsatisfying <laughs> because we don't really get a clear answer here. There's, there's no... Uh, moral quality that's given to either person or to their argument. And it doesn't even say that what they did was a sin. They had a sharp disagreement. They went off on their own mission, and neither one is said to be right or wrong. And they head their separate ways. They each take a team. And now we have, instead of one group going out, we have two groups going out. And here's what I think that we can learn from this first question, that even in our brokenness, even in our sin, even in our inability to work together on Jesus' mission, as we should, or what we would say is the ideal, Jesus' mission is still going to be accomplished. And, and in fact, the mission is multiplying here. And we would say, well, That's not the way we would want to do it, right? Like, why couldn't they just figure this out? But in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our sin, the mission of Jesus is multiplying and going out. I have a friend who she's asked me several times, you know, why don't you go to the same church as all of your friends? Like, you have a lot of Christian friends. Uh, you, You guys are all kind of in the same community. Like, why don't you go to church with all those people? Like, that would sort of make sense that, that if you love Jesus, you would worship him together with people that you like hanging out with, right? That makes, makes a lot of sense. And in some ways, I, I agree with her. Uh, but I, I think about this a lot, that, that I can rejoice and we can rejoice that, that we've been called, me and these friends, and you probably have some of the same situations that we could say, I, I don't go to the same church as they do, but we're all on Jesus' mission, and each church has a specific way that they're fulfilling the mission of Jesus with a different focus, a different, you know, there's all kinds of different distinctives for churches, so we're all on the same mission, but it's just looking a little differently, and that's actually something that we can celebrate. It's actually something that we can rejoice in, that, that we're, not, we're not just called together to be with people that we like, but we're called to, together to be on mission for Jesus, sometimes with people that we wouldn't choose to be our friends, but that he's put us together with for his sake, not for our sake. And I couldn't help but think, you know, many of you guys know that um, we started Town Church, our family started Town Church with another family, Lane and Michelle Kennard, and, and several years ago they expressed this desire. We want to plant a church in Fortuna, that's the community that we live in, and, and about a year and a half ago we, we sent them out to do that, and, and there was never a sharp disagreement between Lane and I, but we didn't always agree on sort of the, the way that we constructed a church community and what that would look like and how we would do certain things. We, we didn't always agree. And it, it wasn't really the reason why they went out to do what they're doing, but it, it 
I think it was a factor in that. And, and, but, but we can see here in this passage of Scripture that doesn't have to be something that we just grieve and mourn, but it's still something that we can celebrate and say there are two churches where there were one, and that's not always a bad thing. We didn't have a split, but it was a sending out to go on Jesus' mission. So we could say in God's sovereign plan, we're not working together in the same way that we were before, but we are still working together. And Lane and I, are we're going to hang out this afternoon. Uh, we're going to talk about Easter, and they're possibly going to come up and hang out with us on Easter Sunday. And so there's still great joy and fellowship and unity with each other, even though we're in two different places doing two sort of separate things. So when we look at Paul and Barnabas and their disagreement, um, we should not use it as an excuse to argue or to divide or just to be stubborn and to get our own way, because we should absolutely seek unity and uh, togetherness wherever we can peace with each other as we're serving on Jesus' mission. But, but we have to recognize sometimes we will disagree and which way should we go when that happens. And I think the, the answer is we should continue on Jesus' mission. We should aim for reconciliation, and this is what we see later on, is that Paul and Barnabas and Mark, John Mark, they end up be, being in fellowship with one another. They value one another. They love each other. Uh, and, and, but, but the mission of Jesus is still multiplying, and we trust God that he's always good, just like we sang in that song, that even in a heartache of a, a relationship that's strained or, or there's disagreement, that God is doing something there. Next, which way do we go when we work together? Paul takes this new uh, partner with him, Silas, and they go back to the churches where they had uh, they'd planted several years before they go to the town of Lystra. This was the town where Paul was stoned. First they thought Paul and Barnabas were gods, uh, but then they're like, oh, you're not gods, you're, you're, you're bad, so we're going to throw rocks at you till we think you're dead. Um, rough transition there. Uh, but, they, but in the town of Lystra, they, they say, we want to add this young man, Timothy, to our team. Uh, he's got a good reputation, verse 2 says, um, He's, uh, he's a good candidate to take on mission and to train him to be a missionary, to be a pastor, and so we're going to take him with us. But there's a problem. Even though Timothy is Jewish through his mother, he was never circumcised. Okay, so we looked at this issue of circumcision a lot last week. You can go back and listen to that if you want. Um, we, we know that Paul and the church together, unanimously they agree, circumcision is not a requirement for salvation. You don't have to become Jewish in order to become a follower of Jesus. But Paul knows that working together with a Jewish man who is not circumcised is going to make them a less effective team on mission for Jesus. So what is the issue here? Conrad Gimpf, he's a New Testament scholar, he says, saying that Gentiles did not need to become Jews was one thing. So that's what we saw in Acts 15. But if Paul was seen to be teaching that Jews shouldn't act like Jews either, there would have been trouble. 
So that's the, that's the core issue here is that, uh, and, and this is what Luke says in, in Acts 16, that if they're going to go to minister to Jewish people, if they're going to take the gospel to these people, but they have someone with them who is Jewish but who is not circumcised, it's going to be a stumbling block. It's going to cause problems on their mission. So when we work together on Jesus' mission, when we partner together, when we go on Jesus' mission, there are times that we need to make sacrifices in order to reach the people that Jesus has called us to. So Paul's not saying, Timothy, you know, you need to be circumcised in order to be saved, right? That would be a contradiction to everything we've seen so far, but he is saying, if you want to be an effective member of this team on this mission, you're going to have to do this. So John Stott, he says, what was unnecessary for acceptance with God was advisable for acceptance by some human being. Does that make sense? Right? So which way do we go when we work together on Jesus' mission? So when we are asking, okay, how do we effectively fulfill the calling that Jesus has given to us, and not just individually, but as a community or as a team, uh, we have to be willing to make sacrifices or to experience loss for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of others. So if you are looking for a comfortable, pain-free life, that doesn't require you to give up anything or sacrifice anything or to ever adjust your plans, uh, it will be impossible for you to follow Jesus on his mission. I mean, that's, that's just putting it very simply. It will be impossible for you to follow Jesus if you're looking for a pain-free life. We have to be willing to adapt ourselves for the sake of those we've been called to reach with the good news of Jesus. So we don't change the message of the gospel. We change ourselves. And we say, what do I need to do? And this is what Paul says in his letter to, the first letter to the Corinthians. I became all things to all people for the sake uh, that some would know Jesus, right? So, so I adjusted myself. I made sacrifices. I basically bent over backwards so that the people that I'm trying to take the message of Jesus to will get to meet him. I don't want to get in the way of that. So you could think of a thousand different examples. Say, you know, I am called to go be on mission to this, you know, people who are vegans and you love bacon. Like, you can't just sit down and eat your BLT in front of them. Because they'll be like, this guy's an evil person. He hates animals. And, like, and you just be like, I can't eat bacon in front of them. So you make a sacrifice. And that's not that hard, you guys. Come on. Like, <laughs> you don't have to get circumcised, okay? <laughs> Things could be worse. Um, so instead of, this is the posture that we take on Jesus' mission. I'll be here when you're ready to adjust everything in your life and come to where I am, then I'll tell you about Jesus. That's not what Jesus told us to do. He says, go to them. Take the gospel, the good news to them. And in order to do that, you're going to have to adjust your life. 
You're going to have to lay things down in order to go to them. You could say the gospel lovingly initiates, right? So Jesus came to us, and he didn't come like this big shining orb that we were like, I don't know what's even happening. He came to us in the flesh, someone we could relate to, someone we could sit down and eat with, right? And so he came in the flesh. We have to do the same thing. We have to go as Jesus did for the sake of others. Finally, which way do we go when we go on Jesus's mission? So as, as Paul and Silas and Timothy, they visit more churches, they continue to encourage and care for them, they, they feel compelled to take the good news of Jesus to places that they have not yet been, where churches haven't been planted, where the gospel hasn't been preached. They're sort of like me on the trail the other day. I'm just going to go a little bit further. I'm going to see what's around the corner. But as they travel west, Luke tells us in verse 6, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, we aren't told how this happened. How did the Holy Spirit forbid them from going to a place? Who knows? Their boat might have broken down. I don't know. I mean, there's like a, a they had trouble. Somebody, somebody got sick. We don't know how they were prevented, but the Holy Spirit forbid them from going to a certain region. So, okay, this is, this is what we were planning on. Now we're going to go do this. They, they turn north. When they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. What the heck? <laughs> you know, the team is like prevented from going the way that they were planning on. Plan A, nope, not happening. Plan B, shut down. Can't go there either. Like, wh- which way are we supposed to go? Like, we're trying to take the message of Jesus to these people. Have you, have you been here in this place? <laughs> You're trying to follow Jesus. You're trying to live in a way that seems like the right way, you're trying your best, you've, you know, you've been reading the word, you've been in prayer, maybe you're even fasting, you're, you're seeking good counsel, you're trying to be obedient and do what God wants you to do, and you just keep getting shut down. Things just aren't working out like you hoped, and you're thinking, hey, Jesus, uh, what's, what's the deal here? Like, I am really trying to follow you. I'm really trying to do the right thing, but you keep slamming the door in my face. Like, what is happening? Have you been there? Which way do you go when that happens? What's, what's our next move? Now, for, for this team, they just keep moving, okay? We're not going to the west. We're not going to the north. So they go south, And they go south 400 miles on foot. 400 miles. That is so long. (laughs) They they go to the city of Troas. And and so they're in this city of Troas. Then they start to get some clarity. Okay, now now we're starting to see what's supposed to happen. Verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. 
A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over, begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So finally, a door is open after all the doors that have been closed, all the going in circles. I mean, if you look at this on a map, they did not take the short way. Like they just just kind of going all over the place to get to the point where they finally know what God wants them to do. He gives them direction. So Paul has this vision. The next morning he gathers the team together, which now includes Luke, who's the author of Acts. He starts to say we and us. So Luke is now part of this team, and they immediately make plans. Let's go over into the European city of Macedonia in verse 10. Now, I know that many of you are frustrated with where God has you. You want to know what your next move is. And maybe you've gotten tired of waiting, and you're just like, I'm going to just do something for the sake of doing something. Like, I'm going to just lower the shoulder and just ram into that door, because maybe that's what I'm supposed to do, you know? Which way do you go? I love this quote from A.T. Pearson. He says, we need to trust God for our guidance and rejoice equally in his restraints and constraints. Rejoice equally in his restraints and constraints. And so what he's saying there is we need to continue seeking God for his direction. And when the door is closed, we say thank you. And when the door is open, we say, thank you. He's your father. He loves you. He is always good. He wants what is good for you. So if the door is closed, it's because he wants good for you. And if the door is open, it's because he wants good for you. He wants what is best for you. So we've asked the question, which way do we go when we don't agree, when we work together Which way do we go when we're on Jesus' mission? And we've been called to seek unity, to seek peace with one another. We're called to make sacrifices. We're called to trust God for his guidance and rejoice with both open and closed doors. But we're we're here at the end and you're thinking, well, okay, what does all this have to do with my life today? I mean, it's great to hear about this story, but I don't see what an argument and some guy being circumcised because his mom was Jewish, like, what does that have to do with this decision that I am facing or these, these open or closed doors? So here's, here's how we finish today. Acts 15 and 16, they're telling us a story, but I think there's some direction for how we can make decisions in our lives as we follow Jesus. So, so here's four principles. I borrowed these from two authors, John Stott and Tony Merida, uh, and they say the way God guides us is that he does it through both closed doors and open doors, and we've seen this in here. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he restrains us from something. Sometimes he compels us. He pushes us into something. Sometimes he prevents us, and sometimes he prompts us. But whether it's a yes, whether it's a no, he is guiding us. So that's one way God guides us. Another 
principle we can see is that God's guidance, it's not just circumstantial or what's happening, but it's also rational. So, so we, we use our minds. We use the faculties that God has given us. We're not just banging our head into the wall until something gives. When we follow Jesus, we get to think about things and consider them and, and use wisdom. God gives us wisdom, and so we can seek counsel. We can do research. We can, you know, ask more questions. We could say, what if you you know, up to the amount of money you were going to give me for this new job that I might be getting. There's a whole bunch of things that we can do. We can, we can not just look at the circumstances, but we can look at things rationally. God's guidance is also, it's personal and communal. So we are being led, we are being guided by a God who loves us and cares about us. This isn't just chess. Like, God isn't just doing things to accomplish his plan. He's our Father, and he loves us. So we can say, God, your guidance for me is personal, as a father to a child. And even in the no's, like that we saw in this passage, it's the Spirit of God who is communicating these things. Somehow, they know this is God's no for us. And so we can trust that, that even in the no, that it's him and it's personal. God's guidance is also communal. They consider these things together as a team. Verse 10, we, us, Paul took it to the team. And, and I think the community of Jesus is one of the best ways that we can make decisions. So, so don't miss out on the benefit that you have of a community who loves you and cares about you in Christ to say like, this is a decision that I am facing. Would you pray with me? Would you, would you speak into this issue in my life? And that's, that's a, such a blessing that we have in our community. Lastly, God's guidance often comes gradually and unpredictably. So so this whole trip that they're on, they didn't start out with like, let's end up in Macedonia. It's sort of open-ended, like they were just out there, let's go visit these churches, and once we're there, we find this guy, let's bring him on the team, and then we go here, we try to go there, it doesn't work, we try to go here, it doesn't work, now we're going to go 400 miles the other way that we were never planning on doing. We meet this guy who's a doctor, he's going to come with us, his name is Luke. I mean, they just, they just go from place to place, the long way, <laughs> and, and it must have seemed confusing to them sometimes, like, we're just kind of caught up in this thing, we're just walking forever, like, we don't really know what God is doing necessarily, am I even supposed to be on this trip? Good thing we didn't bring John Mark, because he definitely would have left uh, at this point. <laughs> Slam on John Mark, that's not fair, um, he's not here to defend himself. You know, do you ever feel like this, though? Like, I am just treading water. I'm going nowhere. Nothing is being accomplished. I'm not meeting, you know, the, at this point in my life where I thought I would be. Even when we feel like nothing is happening in our life, God is working. God is doing something. God is making preparation for us. He's leading us. And then all of a sudden, there's the way. There's the door. There's 
the trail. There's the clarity. And all of a sudden you're going, wow. Like where there was all this not knowing, all of a sudden I can see the road in front of me. And we look back and we're like, oh, actually, now I see what all these things that I was, felt like nothing was happening, God was actually leading me to this place right now. Which way do we go? Keep trusting Jesus because he loves you and he cares about you. Keep searching the scriptures. Keep reading, even if you've read it a hundred times before. Keep on praying, asking God, which way do you want me to go? Keep leaning into community, uh, seeking God together with other people, with other Christians. Keep an open heart. Have a humble heart. Consider that you might have to make sacrifices in ways that you don't want to. Keep being faithful to what you know God has called you to as you wait on what you don't know. What is next? Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Because as long as God is with us, we have reason to be thankful. Whether we know, I know where my foot's going to land after I take this next step. I'll finish with a quote from David Livingston. He says, without Christ, not one step, but with him anywhere. Let's pray. Father, that is our desire to not move forward without your leading and your guidance, but when you do call us, that we would go anywhere and do anything that you're calling us to do. That's what it means to follow you, Jesus. So I pray that, that as we are asking these questions in our life, which way do we go, that, that we are hanging on to you with everything that we have, And when we can't see that we could wait with patience and keep on hanging on, and that when you call us to go, that we do. Thank you that you are with us, that you are a father, and that you are leading us in the way that we should go. We trust you, and we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.